0: Stay tuned now for the local coronavirus update. And good afternoon. This is Alicia Bales live in the Philo studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. And we are here for another edition of the local coronavirus update. We, as you know, are in a surge... Unlike anything we've seen in the pandemic so far, so we have brought the show back to keep you updated and also to answer your questions. Should you have them, we'll be here till 4 o'clock. And the call-in number, once we open up the phone lines, is 895-2448. That's 707 895 for 8 There's a lot to talk about. Drew, what's going on? You've been working night shifts for many, 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 many days now.
1: Yeah, so I might be a little more loopy than usual, um, but we are still seeing um, very high numbers. They, the rate of climb has stopped and actually is starting to decline slightly, so that's very good. Um, so
0: slightly is like two cases rather
1: than... Yeah, It's it depends sort of what your metric is and how mm-hmm. long your delay is, um, but... In general, I think we're down about 10% from where we were about 10 days ago. So still high numbers, still about 50 cases a day that are diagnosed in the county, um, and still full hospitals, um, both here in the county and in surrounding counties. Um, But we're doing slightly better here in Mendocino than surrounding counties, so... You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were one of the very worst counties in the state. And now we're sort of midfield for the state of California. Yeah,
0: I think on Friday they told us we were number seven.
1: Well, we're, we're lower than that now, having just looked at sort of the, the numbers that are sort of most recently published, and uh, I, I think we're about 20th in the state of California out of, what, 54 counties mm-hmm. or something like that. So our numbers, while quite high, um, are leveling, um, but as we know, everything tends to be delayed with COVID, so the acute phase of COVID is still filling um, the hospitals with very sick patients, and unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of deaths uh, for our small county somebody's been dying from covid every other day um in the last week to 10 days um and that's that doesn't show any signs of letting up unfortunately
0: right and what we heard uh, last week the last death reported i'm sure that we'll hear more news this this evening from public health but the last one was our 61st yeah. death and it was a 43 year old man from ukiah with as far as i know no com- comorbidities yeah. no other illnesses just a perfectly healthy young person
1: yeah yeah I know and that's you know that's what we're seeing actually is the the demographics of people who are getting very sick from covid has shifted to the y- younger population i think largely driven by the fact that the more elderly people over say the age of sixty have a higher rate of vaccine uptake in this county um but still it's it's a worrisome trend to be sure
0: well i think a a big piece of news that happened in this last week was that um a group of doctors, you included, wrote a letter asking for help from the community. Uh, and this was not something that you guys took lightly. This has got 50 signatures on it from medical providers and healthcare people all over the county imploring citizens of Mendocino County to get vaccinated. Do you want to talk about this letter and how it came about?
1: Yeah, so it was actually um, a few of us in the ER um, who really are talking about We're talking about what we can do. I mean, we've been offering vaccine to people in the emergency room, but the one on one conversation is a slow way to um, get the numbers up um, in the county in terms of getting more people vaccinated. And so a couple of my colleagues um, thought we should perhaps write a letter that we would then publish. in either social media or in newspapers or some combination thereof and four or five of us drafted the letter circulated amongst ourselves and then in twenty four hours we sent it out both to our colleagues and to medical colleagues throughout the county um and within 24 hours i think the number of signatories now is about 60 some people 60 some providers just in this county um which represents a substantial fraction of the uh health care providers in this county um and so most people who would see this letter or scan the list will recognize perhaps if not their very own provider somebody that they have seen at some point in the past and i think it might move the needle just a little um it certainly isn't gonna hurt um and we you know just thought we would make an effort there
0: well uh doctors like especially emergency room doctors might speak calmly even when the house is on fire but taking this kind of action, this is how doctors freak out, right?
1: Yeah. You know, most doctors don't really like to go to the press, right? So it's it, it's it's unusual for people to say, I'm going to put my name on something that's going to be published if you're a healthcare provider. You just don't want that kind of attention as a doctor. You know, you, you hear these horror stories and you just don't want your name out there. Um, I'm foolhardy, I guess, because I get on the radio and freak <laughs> out every week, but you know, so be it. So it's, it does represent i think a controlled freakout um by the signatories really and you know we're we're trained not to freak out and so you know if somebody's heart stops beating you don't want your er doctor freaking out right so our our career, our our avocation requires staying calm under really stressful situations, and you know that's what we're dealing with right now is a very stressful situation. You know that being said, that's not just a list of ER doctors in the county. This is you know primary care practitioners, um, you know nurse practitioners. It's orthopedic surgeons. It's general surgeons. It's healthcare providers all over the county. You know with with some predominance of um, the ER doctor and the internal medicine doctor in our group, just because those are the ones we had emails and phone numbers for quite, ret- quite quickly.
0: Well, and, no, go ahead.
1: No, and we wanted to get it out because, you know, we wanted to get it published or at least Publicized as quickly as possible, um, just because we need to get the word out this in a way serious. that. Yeah. Well, and you know, County Health, I don't really know what they're doing. I mean, I know that we're subsidizing water costs for the town of Mendocino, um, but we're not, you know, sending health care resources to the northeast corner quadrant of this county. So that, you know, bespeaks the great American tradition of sending money to the wealthiest people um, while we ignore the crush of COVID that's coming from the poorer parts of this county. Yeah, it's it's appalling, frankly, and I I frankly think all five um, supervisors should be terminated immediately, Mm. but that's another subject, I guess. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll go into that at some point. Well, this isn't, you know, this isn't Dr. Colfax freaks out on the radio by, on whatever's...
0: Not usually, but head. it happens sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, say what you really mean. Yeah. Um, but what I would like to know is what the letter says.
1: Yeah. So it says basically, um, to summarize it, and you have it in front of you, but I don't think I do. we need to but read I, it. But I won't on do there. a dramatic reading. Uh, so, but what what we're saying is, you know, the vaccine um, is really saving lives. It is safe and effective, and it's preventing severe illness. And the uh, unvaccinated. Um, proportion of our um, population in this county is really driving the COVID surge. It it represents the entirety of the deaths in the last couple months from COVID in this county, Um, and it represents the vast majority of people with severe COVID uh, requiring hospitalization. It also, I think, represents how bad this illness makes people feel. On a daily basis, I'm seeing people who really feel sick and feel terrible and you know, that buyer's remorse um, having drunk the Kool-Aid about the vaccine misinformation that's out there is, you know, articulated almost without exception. Um, you know, there might be a couple of diehards who really stand by their decision, but that's really, really quite rare. And mm-hmm. what we've been doing as providers is, you know, telling these people who are mildly or moderately sick to tell their families that this is real and they need to get the vaccine.
0: Mm-hmm. You also pledge to keep coming to work every day and taking care of people regardless of their vaccination status, which I think is, uh, I'm not going to say heroic, but it must take a lot of calm and patience. I
1: i actually think that goes without saying. <laughs> so, I mean, it, we said it, so I guess it doesn't literally go without saying. But, you know, we, we take care of things. All the time, Um, and we don't really spend a lot of time thinking about how or why somebody ended up in front of us. Healthcare providers have to take care of everything. That's what we're trained to do. Mm -hmm. That's what we've, uh, you know, that's our oath. Um, And I, I think we feel very positive about doing that. What is frustrating for most of us is knowing that this particular illness is so easily prevented um, with so little buy-in, with so little risk to oneself. I mean, it's very hard, for example, to you know, diet and exercise your way out of type 2 diabetes. Um, it's actually pretty hard to remember to take your medicine on a daily basis. It's not hard to prevent yourself from getting severe COVID. It really isn't that hard. And that's frustrating for us because we, we want to keep people healthy. And we hate seeing, you know, 43-year-olds literally drowning to death with severe COVID pneumonia. And that's what's happening, you know, pretty much every, every other day in this county right now
0: well what's the state of the hospital workforce I mean I imagine you guys are really really stretched thin and how are you managing do they have kind of surge staffing that they're yeah going staffing through?
1: is always an issue in this county honestly um, the 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 um, providers the doctor staffing is holding up pretty well um, although we've had a few people you know have gotten covid um, and so you know that that pre- presents its own challenges certainly um, but it's you know that is holding up nursing is always an issue in this county we just don't have a lot of nursing um bandwidth um and that's not just a county issue that's really a national issue um and so you know in our little county that can result in nursing nursing shortages that constrict our capacity to care for patients somewhat as well we've so far have been able to manage without it affecting patient care but it's thin ice. It really mm-hmm. is. Wow. So
0: um, you're managing, but it's it's getting sketchy.
1: It's you know it's stable. I, I don't want to be too dramatic. I mean, I think things were worse, frankly, two weeks ago um, than they are right now. They're about the same as they were about a week ago. Mm-hmm. I anticipate and hope that we're going to see this sort of flattening or slight downward trend to become. Uh, more sharply pointed downward over the course of the next week to 10 days. Mm -hmm. I had been hoping we'd be seeing that number um, drop a little bit more quickly than we've seen yet, but we'll get there. You know, we we know from looking at Delta and other uh, jurisdictions that this is a fairly sharp, short peak um, with a good drop afterward. And that's really actually how COVID's been behaving all along. It moves from place to place. You get a surge and then it drops off as people become more careful and then it surges back in some other spot
0: right like flare uh, opportunistic flare-ups yes um something that i'd like you to address if you would and i'm sure callers are going to talk about it too is ivermectin can you just lordy i'm sorry but it's just something that is really being talked about a lot um and people uh people who maybe are resistant to the vaccine Think about this as an option that they can use if they accidentally get the virus instead of getting vaccinated ahead of time.
1: Yeah, so there are still really not good treatment options once you get the virus. Let's just be very clear about that. Our care of sick COVID patients has improved quite a bit in the last year and a half. Um, But that mostly involves how we manage um, respiratory status rather than some great drugs. Um, So the steroids are quite helpful. Uh, We know that high-flow oxygen is quite helpful um, versus early intubation. Um, But the rest of the drugs out there really aren't very good at all. And we're talking about drugs that are, you know, have been studied for COVID and are in use. So there's a monoclonal antibody um, that, you know, we use occasionally in um, the emergency room for people who have, you know, moderately severe COVID or at higher risk of doing poorly with it. That requires you treat 700 people to prevent four hospitalizations that is a very very weak medication uh, with some significant risk ivermectin is just in the in the nutball category frankly i mean it's a it's a it's a medication for treating um parasites uh which you know biologically are just a little bit different from viruses. It is not an antiviral medication at all, and there's no data to show that it reduces um, the severity of COVID. There just isn't. It's also a highly toxic medication uh, with significant um, toxicities and side effects. I've seen it in overdose. Um, I've seen it um, in people with methamphetamine toxicity who believe they're infected with parasites, and they, you know, before Rainbow Ag, pulled it off their shelves because so many people are trying to buy buy it they would go in and take a horse-sized dose of it and it's quite toxic you know it's, it's something that can that can kill you um so it's 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 in the category of you know bill gates's nanoparticles as far as i'm concerned
0: or um the former president's injecting
1: bleach kind of yeah it's it's about as effective and about as dangerous
0: it's also a pharmaceutical it's not like some natural product that Ivermectin? Yeah.
1: No, yeah. It's it's a very dangerous to pharmaceutical. It's not something that we use in humans very often at all. Um, it's it's the kind of thing if you have a brain abscess that is a parasite, for example, you know, really nasty stuff, then you might consider using it. But this is not something we just throw at people and it's certainly not something we use for viral infections
0: okay well that's about it for my questions do you want to do the numbers
1: sure before we get too far ahead of ourselves right Uh, now again these numbers are a bit stale since they are published on friday afternoon and will probably come out in about an hour after our show today Um, but as of friday afternoon we had fifty nine hundred and twenty seven covid cases that is up 322 in one week. Uh, We had 31 hospitalizations, including eight in the ICU. We added, unfortunately, four more deaths um, in one week. Um, And our trend, depending on how you look at it, is either flat or down around 14% um, over over 7 to 14 days. Um, We're adding about 50 new cases a day on average. We have 438 in isolation uh we have a fraction of that in quarantine and i think that simply reflects um the fact that we're not doing contact tracing anymore in this county (laughs) california um is Improving, um, or at least the rate of climb has flattened out. Um, we're still adding around 13,000 cases just in the state of California. Uh, the United States as a whole is adding uh, over 150,000 cases a day. We're up 20% over the rolling two week average. And in the last 24 hours, 1,300 people died from COVID in this country alone. Um, and, you know, there might be in that 1,300 deaths, there might be a handful of people were vaccinated. There might even be 50. 50 people are vaccinated but the vast majority you know over 90 percent are amongst the unvaccinated Um, really just just tragic i mean it really reflects just a complete failure of public health and our government to talk about this in a coherent way Mm
0: -hmm. uh the other thing the news from friday's public health briefing they've actually switched to doing them weekly again so uh this friday they said the among many many other pieces of information uh, the vaccine rates in mendocino county are down this week so people don't seem to be responding to the news that we're trying to get out there that this is a terrible terrible situation the worst we've faced so far uh by rushing out and getting that shot
1: no yeah i'm I'm not surprised. Um, you know, anecdotally, I felt like we were perhaps seeing an uptick in vaccines, um, but that's just from my perspective. When I see people in the ER and they take a look around um, and see how busy we are, and the fact that we're seeing patients outside and not bringing them in, and they walk past these, you know, this pod of COVID patients out front, and when we offer them the COVID shot, um, you know, when they're there for something else. Uh, greater number are saying yes than i had seen previously but that's really a very small data pool
0: right people who are seeing it with seeing it themselves um you've also at the hospital you suspended elective surgery
1: yes elective surgeries have been suspended again um you know they were suspended last i think early December is when we stopped it for a couple months Um, and we're stopping again uh, because we just don't have the medical capacity to perform elective procedures we don't have hospital beds um, if people need to be hospitalized after an elective procedure or surgery so it's, it's tragic because that means that if you have you know, colon cancer, or if you need your gallbladder taken out, or if you need a biopsy or something else, or a colonoscopy, that's not gonna happen um, until this surge comes under control. Those things are elective procedures. A lot of them, yeah, yeah.
0: Cancer treatments. Yeah, we're not, wow. we're not. yeah. What about visitation? Can people still visit at the hospital? Nope. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so we're back to the worst. Okay. Yes,
1: it's back like it was in December.
0: All right. Uh, this is the local coronavirus. But we have a
1: vaccine. Did I mention that we have a vaccine?
0: It's yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's not back because back then we couldn't do anything about it. And Whoa. now you just go get a little shot. And it makes you feel mildly crappy for a day.
1: Yeah, and as a as a father of a 10-year-old, um, the, the sort of the bad news about the children's vax for ages mm-hmm. 5 to 11 is it, they're walking back the timeline on that, um, unfortunately. So I had been hoping that we'd see, um, and I think any parent with a school-age child was hoping that uh, the children ages 5 to 11 would have FDA emergency use authorization sometime in September or early October, and it's now probably going to be pushed back into late November or December you know it's it's frustrating uh, to be sure um and i don't know if there's really a sense of urgency around that um and that's just going to you know play forward into school reopenings and you know increased number of covid cases in schools which we're experiencing this county on Mm -hmm. a daily basis
0: yeah we're in week two and a half we're in week three of school reopening yeah
1: and you know we keep picking up school covid cases so yeah yeah
0: Oh, that's right, because they're doing mandatory testing at schools. Yeah. So they're catching cases at yeah. schools. Yeah. Um, all right, well, this is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. We're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines. We'll be here until 4 o'clock. So you've got a good 40 good minutes. Yeah, to get your questions answered. It's 895 2448 895 We'll go ahead and take our first call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air.
2: Oh, thank you. Um... Uh, you, uh, I missed the very first part of the show where you said you sent a letter to physicians, signed the letter. they sent it to the health department? Is that what
1: happened? Uh, we didn't send it to the health department. We didn't think it would be read there. Um, but we sent it to um, various media outlets, um, Ukiah Daily Journal, Santa Rosa Press, Democrat, et cetera, et cetera, um, this radio station. Um, and I believe some of my more um, tech-savvy colleagues have also pushed down on social media somewhere. So.
2: Okay, because I've, I've been calling my representative on this uh, matter, and um, I haven't heard back yet, but, you know, um, it's only been five days. But um, the, the issue at hand is the um, fair, and the uh, fair board is kind of locked into a thing. They've signed a bunch of contracts with people, and the only people that can cancel them is the health department. Yep. And so they're on the hook for a bunch of money for a fair that a lot of people probably aren't going to go to. I don't know, but, you know, and then uh, so many of the volunteers are elderly that um, uh, we, we aren't going to do it.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I, 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 it's, a, it's a fraught issue, to be sure. Um,
2: I know. So I'm just asking you where I should send my comments, you know, where <laughs> else should I go, if possible. You know, I know we have a...
1: Well, I, I think that the, your supervisor is is the place to go because they presumably have the ear of um, Andy Corin and Carmel. Um, you know, I I don't I'm not sure why you're not hearing back from your supervisor. Maybe they're just swamped with um, subsidizing the water delivery to the town of Mendocino, um, yeah. but. You know it's that's where i would go as for the fair you
2: i think an empty water truck by the way could stay on its side of the road coming back from here but <laughs> apparently
1: not you know the water trucks are the <laughs> new logging trucks in this community it's just <laughs> but the as for the fair i mean it's a fraud issue i mean i i don't think that people should go to the fair if they're not vaccinated um it's just not worth that risk i certainly so this you know
2: takes- that usually go
1: there i know of course and that's that's why you know the unvaccinated amongst us should um be vaccinated before they go to the fair and i've urged sort of mandatory vaccine vaccination for exhibitors at a minimum at the fair that's not going to happen um you know realistically and so i think a lot of the sort of more cautious amongst us or the people at higher risk um of doing poorly with covid even if we're vaccinated are going to stay away um yeah, the absolute risk on an individual basis from a from COVID, if you're vaccinated, is quite low,
2: to be sure. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I don't. We don't want to facilitate the spread, you know, in the various things that we do there. No, of course not.
1: But yeah, bars it's...
2: and all those things that are not supposed to be. Very good, yeah so anyway,
1: no, yeah no I, I hear you it it, it, it is okay. a, it is a fraud issue, and
2: I don't want to take up everybody else's time, so all right, we
0: agree. Yes. <laughs> all right, All right. thanks all right. for the call. Oh. Hello, caller, you are live on the air?
3: Hi, great as usual. Um, there's a rumor going around my neighborhood that if you are not vaccinated, uh No doctor will take you in. No emergency room will take you in. Is that correct? And I will take my answer on the air.
1: Thanks. Yeah, that that is emphatically not correct. Um, we are taking anybody in um, at any clinic or any emergency room or hospital uh, throughout the county. That's you know that's that's required. That's what we want to do. That's what we're here to do. Um, so vaccinated or not vaccinated, uh, we're going to. Um, You know, see, examine, treat you um, in exactly the same way. It's just that your risk of doing, one's risk of doing poorly with COVID if you're unvaccinated changes our analysis a little bit. It might change which medications we give, and it certainly increases our level of concern that we're going to see you back in a day or two with more severe disease.
0: All right. It's 707-895-2448. The lines are open here. It's the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax. And I wonder if you... Oh, saved by my question. We have well, another uh, what's caller. your question? Well, my question is whether or not you agree with um, public health about mandates and the fact that um, mandates... The opinion that mandates, if put in place, could cause a backlash that would actually be less productive than putting them in
1: place? I do not agree with that statement. Um, you know, there's already a considerable backlash. Um, and I think the more um, difficult that we make it for um, people, if they're unvaccinated, to go to congregate settings, um, to go to work, to go to school, uh, the more people are going to be vaccinated, and that's unfortunate. I mean, I certainly am not a big fan of governmental mandates, Um, but the societal costs of the unvaccinated right now is enormous, Um, and we expect things from one another and as a society all the time, Um, and so this should just simply be an expectation. Now, we're all spun up around it, and there certainly will be blowback, but I can't tell you how many times I've heard, I don't like the government telling me what to do when it comes to why you haven't been vaccinated yet. I'm like, oh, if that's already your analysis, then we should actually make it a requirement and you'll be saying the same thing. Huh?
0: I was curious about that. All right, we have another call. Hello, caller. You're live on the yeah. air.
3: Oh, hi. I have um, a question and a comment. Um, I'd like to hear what Dr. Colfax thinks the public health department should do. But first, I don't want to let medical doctors and the medical community off the hook. They took until now to come out publicly and say something. They should have been on it from the beginning and out in the streets. There is so much bad information and fake news because people are susceptible to Whatever rolls around because the medical community is not there to give them the truth. And that's always been the case, especially in this county. I'm old enough to remember when AIDS hit Mendocino County. And I live in Laytonville, and we had the only doctor, a woman Swiss doctor, by the way, who would treat AIDS patients. And I personally went with her to an AMA meeting in Ukiah to beg other doctors to at least take one AIDS patient each to help her with the load because she had them all. And they would not do it because they were so worried about not getting AIDS themselves, but their patients not coming to them. And I think the bottom line with the medical community in this county is that the only time people interface with them is they went and get a bill. And they think of doctors are only in it for the money. And if they were out there Trying In person, at every venue, trying to help people learn the truth, we might have a better outcome, but because they haven't been around, people are, drink the Kool-Aid, as you say, and fall for fake news. It's unbelievable the amount of ignorance that's out there. And except for Dr. Colfax, I don't see anybody else from the medical community making a stink and trying to get people to come in for vaccinations, people who never said a word when they got their polio or their smallpox or their childhood vaccinations. Now, all of a sudden, they're anti-vaxxers. How did this happen? And why was the medical community negligent in allowing it? That's enough of a rant. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Well said.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't actually take issue with anything you just stated. It is frustrating that there's been um, fairly muted hue and cry from the medical establishment. Really, not just locally, um, but. Um, statewide and nationally, I mean, we aren't seeing a huge press by you know the big major medical organizations. Um, you don't really see you know the American College of Surgeons or the you know the other organizations that we all subscribe to as medical providers really pushing the the public interface on this. It's just not there. It's pathetic, frankly. Um, and I was talking with one of the signatories last night, saying, "Why doesn't the American College of Emergency Physicians you know have a more firm public stance on this and you know i don't have an answer to that i'm just you know this doctor in boonville has a radio show um i will say that i know there's at least one other doctor who was treating hiv patients in mendocino county from the get-go and it was one of the anderson valley providers who's still here so i you know i that that was a scary time i was young then but i certainly do remember when we started talking about the four h's of um hiv um At the top of your rant, um, your self-characterized rant, which I actually didn't feel like as much of a rant at all, um, you asked what should public health be doing. Um, And what they should be doing is being visible. Um, They should be out, um, you know, Treating and seeing and getting people educated about what is going on. Um, They need to be, you know, every minute that's spent on Low Gap Road is a minute wasted, as far as I can see. There's just not a lot of movement. There's not a lot of education. There's not a lot of outreach uh, to stakeholders and to families and to individuals in a way that's going to drive, you know, vaccine rates up into the above the 60% um, margin right now.
0: Well, at the beginning of this thing, we also had a lot more outspoken sort of community groups going out and doing projects. There's a Mask Up Mendocino project. Is it, I'm surprised that I'm not seeing more collaboration between the healthcare providers and public health. I would think that you guys would be sort of collaborating very actively throughout this entire pandemic. But also I feel like right now, are people just exhausted or you know because i'm not I, seeing the community involvement
1: either I, I, yeah i think we are exhausted i mean we've been talking about this for a year and a half or, or longer now um and so yes there is there's a great deal of fatigue there's a fatigue amongst um community members there's a fatigue amongst um health care providers and other organizations that might provide support services um and that is certainly playing a role i mean we all have masking fatigue and social distancing fatigue and everything else and that i think is playing into this delta surge right we're just we're, we're sick of it and we're not willing to you know i think rationally take the continued social hit of um covid and we're going back to our normal lives which is you know bringing covid roaring right back this
0: is driving
1: the surge all right we've got the phone lines
2: are lighting up, up. up not surprising
0: yep. let's take another call hello caller you're live on the air
2: yeah hi I had a question i'm I'm fully vaccinated since the middle of March, and I've been hearing people talk about getting a booster shot
1: around the eight month period and I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit yeah that's that has been talked about at the federal level. there's no um f d a guidance on that yet i yeah you know, a week or two ago I talked about that a little bit. What we're seeing is there is a slight attenuation in immunity um You know, that drops, it starts to drop a bit notably um, around six months and becomes, you know, very gradually more significant over the course of, you know, the eight month mark. And we really don't have much data beyond um, eight months, at least not for a large population. You know, the initial trial participants um, received the uh, Pfizer vaccine almost a year ago. Um, And so they have almost a year's worth of data um, in those 45,000 people. They still have very robust immunity, to be sure. It's just not quite as good. I think the um, policy of requiring or recommending a third um, dose is misguided um, because it it does several things. First off, it undermines public confidence in the two-dose uh, vaccine series in terms of it offering extraordinarily good protection. Um, and secondly, it uses up vaccine that needs to be uh, distributed um, worldwide. I mean, we're wasting an enormous amount of vaccine in this country right now. Um, and that is just allowing COVID to continue to surge um, throughout the developing world. And it will bounce right back onto us to be sure there's not a single strain that's going to evolve anywhere in the world Um, that's not going to become um, the dominant strain if it has some significant advantage that will happen it's going to happen over the course of the next year or two COVID is going to stay with us and the faster and the sooner we get worldwide vaccine rates up into the 80th percentile um, you know the faster that this has less fuel
2: Okay. Well, thanks for that. So it sounds like I can just go ahead and skip getting a third well, shot. It, it, it
1: depends, right? So, you know, it is a qualified sort of assessment. Um, if you're more elderly um, or if you're immune suppressed, then I would definitely recommend getting a third dose. Um, you know right now if you're immune suppressed um and as soon as possible if you're say over the age of 60 perhaps even if you're younger than that and you have significant risk factors for doing poorly with covid so it's a qualified analysis um it's a you know it's a indi- well I'm, I'm 57 and very healthy so yeah so i i would not rush to get a third dose um you know the first month that it's offered it will be offered i'm sure you know part of it you know, is driven by, and this might be a bit cynical, but it's driven by money. Pfizer has made, you know, some $30 billion off of their vaccine so far. And, you know, that that, that cash register continues to ring uh, mightily. Um, it's, it's not going to cause harm, let me put it that way, and it will offer some marginal protection for all of us if we got the third dose. But it's really not where we should be putting our effort or our messaging at this point. Okay, but for great, you personally, you know, you're 57 years old. You got two doses. I, I wouldn't rush to get a dose right now. I'm, you know, literally bathing in COVID at work all the time. So I probably will get a third dose uh, when it becomes available for healthcare workers. Um, but that's just because I really am saturated.
2: <laughs> yeah, got it. Okay, well, thanks for doing the show. I
1: really appreciate it. Sure.
0: All right, and thanks for listening. Okay. And thanks bye. for calling. Bye bye. 895-2448 is the number. This is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax, who is uh, coming off of several days on, in the ER, or several nights in the ER. Feeling Five in a row. Slightly ranty.
1: Oh, you know. That's good. I'm toning it down. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Um, and we're here to take your calls until 4 o'clock, so give us a call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Whoa. Uh-oh. Hello. Hello.
1: Uh, yes. Hello, you're live on the air.
2: Okay. Um, speaking of doctors getting out there in the fair, are there going to be doctors at the fair if the fair goes on to like have a table there to get uh, accurate information out there?
1: You know, that would be a great table for public health to set up and have. I imagine they're going to be doing that. I hope they're going to be doing that. Um, but I don't have any definitive word on that. Personally, I'll be there, so you can you can find me. I'll talk to anybody who comes up to me.
2: And also about the last caller, there was an article in the New York Times that uh, addressed who got the original vaccines. You know, well-to-do people, connected people, um, and it's kind of interesting article. And they say the results may be skewed a little bit because of who got the original vaccines. Um, And that that we um, should—it is still working. I mean, it still lasts, and it's not so important to get the bonus. Yeah, and and
1: that—and that's—that's you know—that's part of my critique of this push to um, drive toward a booster shot. It will—you know—it will drive down the rate of transmission um, if there's a large fraction of the population that gets it, but we're still sitting at 52 or 53% nationwide fully vaccinated. So we're a long way from getting, you know, a substantial fraction of our population vaccinated um, the first time around, let alone the booster shot. And the additional protection that it offers right at eight months is pretty minimal it's pretty marginal that might change as we get more data you know 12 14 16 months forward um but at eight months right now which is where i am i was vaccinated i think december 17th um so i'm at the eight month window from my first pfizer vaccine um you know i i my immune system um i haven't had asymptomatic covid in the last eight months or year um is you know still quite robust from that vaccine i i can trust on that
2: Okay,
0: well, thank you. Sure. All right, thanks, caller. All right, the lines are open, 707-895-2448. That's 895-2448 with your questions or comments about COVID-19 and the Delta variant. Hey, caller, you're live on the air.
4: Um, Hi, Uh, I was just wondering um, if you could talk a little bit about what part masks are play in this along with getting the vaccine
1: um yeah so that's that's a really good question because uh, there's a lot of confusion around the need for masking still and you know it's you know masking masking mandates are outlawed in some states etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean it's just it it bespeaks how spun around and how political this has all become masks are not that burdensome they just aren't i wear one all the time day in day out when i'm at work um and that's you know it's easy to do really um and we know that this delta um does not require as much of a viral load it does not require as long in the room it does not require as much exposure to spread and so masks i think um or rather i know um should still be required um really everywhere, uh, without exception, Um, in any indoor setting, in any large congregate outdoor setting. um, And it will still keep you safe. It's probably not as good um, at keeping you safe from Delta as, um, you know, it was from keeping you safe from the previous strains of Corona. Uh, But it's still very good and very effective. Um, And vaccinated or not, um, it's going to reduce the transmission rates.
0: Okay, thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. And uh, one of the other things that they said at the briefing on Friday uh, for public health was that the recent outbreaks in our county and the high risk exposures are restaurants and bars. So those are places where people are gathering. Uh, For some reason, we're like, doing some kind of compartmentalizing i think when we go to restaurants we're just taking the masks off to read the menu and you know and hang out and chat and it's like wait before <laughs> this was a really high risk behavior but and, now and, we're just and doing and it it's, nonchalantly it's
1: more high risk now um you know the yeah it's it's less risky for the vaccinated amongst us but you know the unvaccinated don't believe that covid is dangerous or have been following the wrong news um story on this and i can you know rest assured that they are going to restaurants and bars at the same rate if not higher rates um and they are at extremely high risk with it particularly with the covid you know it, it it's increasingly clear we talked you know months ago or a year ago or more about sort of the covid rules and you know i've mentioned that sporadically you know, the 15-minute indoor exposure time does not apply anymore. It does not require that much time to get Delta. Um, I We are seeing increasing data suggesting outdoor transmission, which had been relatively safe um, for the previous strains, but Delta is spreading in outdoor settings, not nearly as high as in indoor settings, but still um, that is happening. And so those, you know, the the 15-minute rule indoors and the outdoors being safe needs a really big asterisk at this point. Um, And frankly, the six-foot social distancing uh, probably doesn't apply anymore either. You you know, we've always known that that was kind of an arbitrary number, Um, but it's even more arbitrary and probably way too close if you want to see a significant fall off of the risk curve of contracting COVID from somebody.
0: But then how will people know you're actually in line at the grocery store if you're (laughs) hanging out way down the aisle? (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's take another call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Caller, are you there? Let's try another one. Mm -hmm. Hello, caller, you are live on
4: the air. Hi, I have a couple things that I want to say and a question I wanted to ask. We'll do the question first. OK, um, I missed a good portion of the show. So I'm not sure if you've discussed this. Are we going to stop indoor dining because it's so dangerous and indoor bars? Are we going to shut some things down so that we can be safer? Or Are we just hoping that vaccines are going to take care of this?
1: I, I don't foresee shutting things back down. We haven't shut them down yet um, and if we haven't shut them down yet, I don't think we're going to in the next week or two. Um, we're gonna you know plow right through this storm full speed ahead and it'll take some people off the boat to be sure. Um, but yeah. I, I don't see that happening. Um, okay yeah okay. so I, well, you know yeah. I personally you know it, while restaurants and bars might be open, I would not dine indoors um, right now at all. no way. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I'm not dining indoors. I'm afraid to even get takeout. Yeah. I've never cooked so much in my house. Good. It's and, much healthier. And myself yeah. <laughs> so much. Yeah. I'm afraid to go anywhere. And I know there are a lot of places that are doing their darndest to follow all the COVID rules and to keep everybody safe. But I, I don't feel particularly safe. The next thing I wanted to say is that <clears throat> I am really, really, really tired of calling the COVID hotline to complain about businesses in my town that don't have any mask requirements posted on their doors. And I thought that that was punishable by some kind of fine. And I call repeatedly about a specific building where the landlord is an anti-vaxxer and um, doesn't believe in COVID and um, doesn't believe in mask wearing. And his building is rented to several tenants. Mm -hmm. He allows specific tenants to put a mask sign in their window but he lets anybody do whatever they want in the building which makes it dangerous then to everybody and i'm just getting so tired of calling and say you need to do something about this man you need to do something about this building and nothing's happening the mandate started on the 10th there is still nothing on this on any of the four doors entering this building that tell people that they should be wearing masks and I'll be in the building and hear people say, hey, there's no mask sign in here. And then just they, this tourist just wander in with no mask on and walk all over the place. Yeah, I, it makes me crazy.
1: I I, I I can hear it in your voice. Um, I, I, I don't have a good solution for you, frankly. You know, I feel bad for the tenants that have this you know, this batty landlord who doesn't think that 600,000 American deaths are real. Um, so that, right. that, that's an unfortunate scenario. Frankly, you know, I, you know, I hate to wish this on anybody, but this is an opportunity for a lawyer to get involved because somebody's going to get sick there, and it's being driven by this person yes. flouting county rules. Um, and so, you know, there will be lawyers to be sure, and this is one that I would certainly um, advocate
4: for. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I I don't want to take any more of your time. I just want to thank you all for what you're doing, and um, tell anybody who's listening, just do the best you can, do the right thing, love everybody, be kind to everybody, and let's see if we can power through this.
1: All right. Thank you. All
0: right. Thanks. the thank call. And thanks for listening. All right. It's the local coronavirus update. Eight nine five two four four eight. We'll take our next call. Hey, caller. You are live on the air. Hmm
1: live but
0: very quiet but silent yes. okay we're gonna i think that that line is that line maybe is, not working i'll fix yeah. it after the show oh, and then that, not for that one okay it's 895-2448 call back callers and we'll definitely get you on the air the phone lines are working i just line three looks like it might be a little hesitant
1: yeah, probably has covid oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> justine frederickson oh, said oh. that you made a joke about Having COVID when you talk to her.
1: Yeah, she, you know, COVID jokes are really best shared amongst healthcare providers. <laughs> it's a dark hole to go down. The rest of us are like, no, yeah.
0: I don't have COVID. <laughs> Drew, no. Uh, at least I hope I don't. Let's try line three again. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, hooray. It does work. Okay, you are live on the air.
5: I know. I got hung up twice. Anyways, um, hi. Um, I went this morning to get tested at the um, Mendocino Cafe, which was really wonderful. And my question is, um, while I was in line, a woman got in line behind me who was sick, I don't know, like I'm healthy. But she was sick, and um, she was sent there to get a rapid test. And I was wondering if... I was thinking about making the recommendation that they should have two different lines. Um, yes, yes. Is that they, necessary?
1: Yeah, they, they should. and In fact, they shouldn't they should. be sending symptomatic people to any of these testing centers. That, that, those are entirely for asymptomatic individuals. Um, well,
5: for some reason they had a rapid test there and she was sent there by Public Health or something because uh, she did a test at home and they said, oh, now that you got a test at home, we can't give you a test for five days and obviously she 6
1: so yeah i i that that none of this is making much sense to me. Um, yeah. Honestly, I, not that I doubt your, your recounting of the events, um, but that's not how things should be happening. Uh-huh. Um, the home test kit is quite good. Um, if you're symptomatic. Um, so if you have a, if you have a cold or the sniffles or you're tired, or you have a cough and you worried that you have COVID and you can't make it to the Ukiah fairgrounds or one of the healthcare centers around the county, then the Binax home test kit is quite good. It's mm-hmm. not so reliable if you're asymptomatic, if you don't have any symptoms. So, so you know, if you're just testing yourself with a home kit just because you wanna, um, then you can't necessarily rely on that negative result. <laughs> um, and so for this woman, she should have been sent—I um, hesitate to say it—but to the emergency room or to a healthcare center where they could have tested her and evaluated her um, without potentially spreading, you know, COVID to others. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so that's that's how it should be working. Um, but you know, something. Something was dropped in this case.
5: Obviously. Yeah. So, so wouldn't it be a good idea, I am I know the woman that owns the cafe, to recommend to her that maybe they divide the line?
1: I'm not sure the cafe should be testing symptomatic people at all. Um, oh,
5: well, and, anyways, they were. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, the, the, if they're equipped to do it, but that means, you know, the people administering those tests should be wearing, you know, full PPE, um, etc. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's and, true. But, and, yeah, you know, that's, so I
5: don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I appreciated it because I live in Mendocino, so. No, I mean, but
3: the
1: more I'm testing, thinking, the hmm. more testing that there is, the better. Um, but you know, that's that's a difficult situation to have symptomatic people congregating for a test. That just that shouldn't yeah. be happening, um, frankly.
5: Well, yeah, it yeah. was.
1: All right. Anyways,
5: okay. Well, I'll I'll mention it to her. <laughs> that I call. I talked to you. So.
1: Okay.
3: All right.
5: Okay. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Bye. Bye.
1: Um, creating problems everywhere. Do
5: you ever
0: test yourself?
1: Occasionally.
0: Because I had to do that today. I tried one of those Binax tests, and I thought it was hard. It was way better to, to go to OptumServe, like have someone else do the little spot. Oh yeah,
1: no self testing is it's it's hard. It's hard to give oneself a shot or you know sew one's own laceration up. It's Ooh, know, it's hard to do the right thing. It's
0: you know, not comfortable, yeah, yeah. but you know it was good to get that negative yeah. result. Yeah. I like that. I yeah. uh, hope I did it right. Let's take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Nope. Yep. That, Another that job line job. three. Yep. Hey, caller, you are live on the air on line four. Hello,
4: caller. You're live on the air. I, uh, you turn your radio off, if you would. I'm I'm sorry. I forgot to turn off my radio. But um, my question is, uh, has uh, Dr. Koufax heard about insurance companies covering people who have no
1: vaccine yeah so insurance companies are going to continue to cover people um whether you're vaccinated or not um what what we're going to see i think very shortly is that insurance rates are going to go up um for people who are not vaccinated that that's in the works to be sure um but they aren't aren't allowed to deny coverage um based on vaccine status that's that's not permissible
4: Oh, that's good, except it's a motivation to get vaccinated, but uh, yeah, I, I'm glad they're going to be covered. It,
1: it might be a motivation for a very small minority. I mean, unfortunately, um, the unvaccinated is, you know, the the. the Proportion of people who are unvaccinated falls most heavily on the uninsured or the underinsured and the more marginalized and the less educated. You know, that's obviously the way health care is distributed in this country across the board, and it's no difference here. So I really would not advocate for any sort of uh, coverage coverage um, Penalty uh, for vaccination status—that would be uh, misguided and would further burden, you know, the most marginal um, healthcare um, utilizers in this country. Well,
4: that's good that they continue to pay. Yeah, it's good. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Thanks. Good
1: question, though. Thanks for the.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks thank for the you for everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Good afternoon, caller.
0: You're live on the air.
6: Hello. I'm in my 75th year, and I've got both my shots, and I wear a mask whenever I go out in the world, and I still got COVID. Yeah. So it, it. I think largely due to the vaccine, uh, it didn't amount to hardly anything for me. Right. A little bit of stuffy nose, a little bit of a cough, and a little bit of fatigue. That's about it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So thanks for the vaccine, and thanks for your great show.
1: I, You know, I, I appreciate your calling in to report that experience. I can't tell you how good it is when I'm seeing somebody, you know, at a higher-risk um, age category or with multiple comorbidities that would place somebody at a high risk uh, when they tell me that they're fully vaccinated. That just, you know, they may present with COVID symptoms um, that are mild, but my concern that they're going to progress to severe disease uh, diminishes greatly i mean it is such a such a high level protection afforded by this vaccine uh, that the risk of anybody you know such as yourself having a severe illness or even a moderately severe illness is markedly diminished i mean it renders it much less dangerous or much less deadly than um, your sort of -of run-of-the-mill garden variety flu season
6: yes i'm a very lucky guy and uh, today is my last day of quarantine so i'm guessing that tomorrow i can wear a mask, and go back in the world. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. Congratulations. Okay, yep. Also, even though we're all bombarded so much these days with bad news, i got to tell you about good news. The most recent article uh, edition of The New Yorker, that's August 30th, there's an article about the health care system in Costa Rica. that is such a good story, and it makes you feel good.
1: I will check it out. It's probably in my post office box right now. But thank you for the Yes,
6: it will cheer you up, Doc. Thanks again for the great show. Thank you.
0: All right. And glad to hear that you are getting through your quarantine and that the symptoms were very mild. Thank you for that. All right. So we've just got about um, three minutes left here. So why don't you go ahead and leave us with a final thought?
1: Well, the last caller actually illustrates a really good point. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of people saying, well, you can still get COVID if you're vaccinated. And yes, you can. Um, It's less common for starters, um, and maybe not quite as less common with the new Delta variant as it was previously. Um, But it's still um, extremely effective uh, at preventing um, severe COVID or even severe or moderately severe symptoms. So you might be a 22-year-old who thinks COVID doesn't affect you and decided to forego vaccine, um, but... I have seen a lot of, you know, really miserable, unvaccinated, twenty-two year olds or thereabout um, with COVID. They're not going to die from it, and they're not going to need hospitalization uh, from it. But boy, they are in for a rocky ten-day um, road. I've seen more than a few people, time and time again. They keep coming back to be rechecked because they just can't believe how bad they feel. Um, they're Vital signs are still fine and everything is okay, and they can still go home and continue to isolate. But they feel terrible. And if you get the vaccine, not only are you significantly, I mean, massively decreasing the risk of your being hospitalized, but you're also significantly decreasing the severity of uh, your symptoms. So that's that's one of my talking points for you know the younger cohort who says, "I just don't feel like it's going to affect me." Think again. Please, um, that's that's really a take-home message that some people will hear, I hope. Uh, anyway, yeah. be safe, um, be kind, be patient. This, these are trying times. Um, at least the air has cleared for the moment. And uh, we can all go outside and not think about COVID for a minute. Well, I hate
0: to contradict you, but Ukiah's air quality is pretty blacky today. Oh. Uh, but it's cooler than it was yesterday, so there you go. It's right. not quite as hot. Um, we will be back next Monday at 3 o'clock with another edition of the local coronavirus update, right?
1: Uh, That is Labor Day, but sure, yes.
0: Oh, sure, why Why not? not? We'll do this on Labor Day. Uh, Also, all of these episodes are podcast. If you want to go back and listen, you can certainly listen at kzyx.org to the to the jukebox. But you can also subscribe to the podcast where I, I have also been uh, posting the public health briefings that the county does every week since we're not live broadcasting those anymore. So if you really want to keep up on the coverage, uh, there is a lot of audio on local COVID for you at uh, the KZYX local coronavirus update podcast, which you can find by going to the podcast page on kzyx.org and for now this is alicia bales live in the studio with dr drew colfax it's the local coronavirus update we'll be back next monday All
1: right. thank you everybody
5: You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXMZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays at 3 p.m. Pacific time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Bulletin Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.